0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. I'm your host, Ben Rogers, and I'm with a good friend of mine uh, in Zach Kramer today. And, uh, you know, Zach's been on the show a few different times. We'll link up those previous podcasts in the show notes and the descriptions, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening uh, through your favorite podcast platform. Zach, how's it going, man? It's going good. How are y'all doing? Wonderful. And, you know, things have been wild in 2022. And (laughs) for the people who, you know, need a quick uh, recap, tell, tell us kind of, you know, what you're up to, what are you doing right now?
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, Right now I run a kind of remote training uh, business. So um, basically physical training geared around breath and mobility, especially with strength involved. So I kind of have a wide range of mostly athletes, ranging from like cyclists to uh, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu uh, type guys and girls. Uh, but then I've also, because of my specialty in breathing, end up working with a lot of people just with breathing issues, whether that's from sleep apnea or long-haul COVID.
0: Can you talk to us a little bit about breath and mobility? Because um, I, I, I know that's something that you yeah. specialize in. Uh, what does that mean, you know, for the, for the layman out there? um, I have an idea with, with breath, but uh, mobility, Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think of flexibility, uh, you know, functional movements. Can you just talk to us a little bit Mm -hmm. about um, uh, kind of that world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So basically I got to it because I did uh, physical training through like CrossFit and other strength training for so long. And I realized the biggest way I saw a difference in people's strength gains and just overall physical abilities was by getting them more range of motion that they could use during their strength exercises. So Mm -hmm. when I say mobility, what I think of is not just flexibility, which would be like the ability to, you know, put your hands over your head or do the splits, but mobility is actually being able to use that range of motion. So being strong, being flexible, but being strong through that entire range that you can put your body through.
0: You know, uh, I kind of equate this like like I do a lot of things uh to tennis and um and there is you know there's an idea of around like efficiency with your stroke, but also mm-hmm. you know the longer the stroke, the more power you get um right. and uh and I've often thought about like with push ups, you know you see people do a million push ups, but they're kind of doing a half push up yeah. versus the people who you know fully extend. Um, what is it about a full range of motion that leads to getting stronger and power? Yeah.
1: Well, a couple of things I'd say is one, you're not going to compensate with, so if I can actually put my hands all the way over my head to do a press, I'm actually using my shoulders to press the weight versus if I, if I'm standing here and I can't just put my hands over my head in order to get that weight overhead, I'm going to have to lean back or do something kind of wonky with my back to actually get it over my head. Mm. Um, so that's an easy one to do at home. Like most people can't put their arms overhead without bending their back. So one, you'll actually be strengthening the muscles you should be for your shoulder and for pressing. Uh, and that's is this is kind of applicable across all joints, just as an example of the shoulder. Um, and then two, you're gonna reduce your injuries from kind of compensating joints like your lower back. So again, if you think about like a, a uh, serve in tennis maybe, like if you can actually use your shoulder for the serve because you're going to reach further back with your shoulder, you're not going to be reaching back by arching your back to generate that power. You're actually gonna be using your shoulder, so it's just trying to use the right joint.
0: Yeah, so you know I I can totally relate when uh, you know we often recruit muscles um, that we're not supposed to be using for an right. exercise in order to complete an exercise, and you know sometimes that can lead to 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 injury or um, overuse in certain areas or even like imbalances. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, so full range of motion. Um, that's important as we get older, uh, real quick, Mm -hmm. you know, piece of advice for anybody who's listening. That's, that's lifting in the gym. What's, you know, how do we get more, uh, range of motion? Just, you know, if we're in the gym doing regular types of Mm -hmm. of exercise,
1: I'd say probably the biggest thing, easiest thing to do to just be take your time on the exercises, and focus on going through the full range of motion. If it's a railroad or a pushup, whatever it is, do those like far of uh, a range on the, each end of that movement as you can. Um, there's also a million, there's also a lot of resources out there. If you, you can look on my website, YouTube channel, or just search uh, daily cars, just like you drive a car, daily cars. Uh, those exercises called cars are what I recommend to all my clients. And so it's like a, Kind of like a daily routine that I go through every day.
0: Interesting. Uh, we will yeah. we'll put those both those links uh, in the in the description below, guys, in the edit of this podcast. Um, you mentioned breath, and you know we've had you on here for talking about you know nose breathing in, in particular. Mm. Um, can you talk to us a, a little bit about where things are at with breath work? Uh, what are, what are some things you're doing with clients as well as yourself right now? Yeah
1: um so with athletes we're definitely still working a lot on co2 tolerance which maybe we'll get into a little bit later uh but what's been interesting lately is it's really developing in um the sleep and really the sleep world um which kind of coming at two different um from two different areas that i've kind of been connected to recently are from like sleep centers working on sleep apnea but also from dentistry because there's, those sides are so connected in sleeping, and then with breathing properly. So there's kind of like all these different facets are coming together, especially around sleep uh, and just overall well-being. Now,
0: so uh, how are you looking at that? At that, because I know you know from a I, well, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I, I would assume from a dentist perspective that you know that's airways. So yep. you know, are you getting enough air? Um, and with in terms of sleep apnea. Uh I'll let you describe that uh kind of your your definition of it. The way I mm-hmm. uh think of it is you periodically stop breathing during the course of, of the night and sure. and that can wreak you know havoc on uh, havoc on your heart health. Uh it causes weight gain, um, things of that nature. Uh what's kind mm-hmm. of your uh your description? How are you describing it to clients?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, apnea and just the word apnea means a breath hold. So sleep apnea, when you're sleeping, you hold your breath. Um, And yeah, essentially what happens is it keeps you from getting as deep of sleep. And we know if you don't get good sleep, I mean, that's, that's kind of the crux of things is you're not getting the sleep you need to be healthy because your breathing is so messed up at night. And there's definitely wide, there's like a wide range of sleep apnea. I mean, even just simple snoring a lot of the times can be kind of considered mild sleep apnea uh, because it's affecting your breathing. But then you have obstructive sleep apnea, which is what you hear a lot about because in obstructive sleep apnea, that means there's something actually happening in your airway that's blocking the air. So it's not just that you're, you know, somehow holding your breath for any reason, it's is something is happening to actually block the airflow um that you're getting.
0: And is that more from a from a <clears throat> dentistry perspective? And that's kind of where well, they come a in. It's, a lot of the times
1: it's um diagnosed uh in dentistry because they can see easily. They're the ones oh. in your mouth looking okay. around. So it can be your soft palate, which is oops, it can which is kind of like the the back roof of your mouth can collapse, which can block that airway. Um, or your tongue, most of the time it's your tongue can fall back and that blocks your airway. That's obstructive sleep apnea. So either one of those two can kind of constrict that area. Um, but a lot of the times but where I kind of, you know, we'll get into all this, but is that's mostly because of mouth breathing.
0: Got it. So you're looking at it from the perspective of most of the time, the root cause of this is being a mouth breather.
1: Being a mouth breather or being overweight um now obviously there are people who have structural issues that have to be taken care of so sure. this is not like a this is more like mild to moderate so probably I mean, this is not you know Sure. Yeah um, yeah.
0: Well I, I mean and that's you know I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I think I think more people than we realize suffer from a, a mild form sleep. of sleep apnea. And, you know, if you're struggling just a little bit with, you know, holding your breath periodically through the night, like you can really, mm-hmm. you know, over a long period of time, it could really have devastating effects on your health. And we talk a lot about how important sleep is. Um, right. How are some, so how does nose breathing, because I know a lot of this just goes back to to nose no. breathing, sounds so simple. Hard to execute <laughs> on. Super easy, yeah, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit why, you know, it's it's so hard to do, and and yet it can yeah, have yeah. all these beneficial uh, effects <clears throat> on people's lives.
1: Okay, so uh, big question. I'll try to start with like you said, why is it hard to do? Yeah, because um, it
0: sounds like such a simple solution, yeah. you know, and uh, and yet I know you know, so many people struggle with it and so, so many people feel like they, you know, I, I know people who wear breathe right strips, people feel yeah. like they can't get enough air through their nose and, right. uh, you know, and I just know all the benefits of nose breathing and I, and yes. I know some, some of it's the CO2 two col- tolerance, which I, I want to pick your yeah. brain on here in a bit, but, uh, you know, why That's isn't kind of awesome it, why, why isn't it just like as simple as, Hey guys, you know, nose, breathe, you you'll be good to go.
1: Mm-hmm. because i mean it does it, we'll jump right into that co2 yeah. tolerance idea because co2 is stressful so if we um again like go back to the basics we breathe in oxygen breathe out co2 to make it as simple as possible and um co2 is really the impetus to make us want to breathe so when we hold our breath we feel like we're suffocating it's because of that rise in co2 so what happens when you close your mouth and somebody tells you just the nose breathe you close your mouth, well, you're not breathing out as much CO2. So those levels of CO2 kind of rise in your system and you feel that, and it's a stressful, anxious feeling. So people don't like it. And so they open their mouth to get rid of more CO2 to feel better. Um, so that's kind of like, is, is there, is there a reason, restored.
0: is there a reason yeah. why that's stressful? Um, Cause if it's, you know, the more you can tolerate the better, why, why is our brain signaling? Uh, that you know something bad is happening, you
1: know. When we when we get more CO two.
0: When we don't have enough. When oh sorry no when we when we have
1: yeah. when we have too much CO two goes too high. Yeah. Well, again, um, couple of our, couple different reasons here. One, um, our body is very concerned about pH balance. We have to go like super deep into the, yeah. Yeah. the nerdy chemistry here. Um, you know, you can you think about things like you go back to high school chemistry class. Some things are more basic, some things are more acidic and that affects the pH balance of liquids or whatever you want to talk about. But that that same thing is going on inside of our body and our body is very sensitive to the pH balance. We want to be balanced. We don't want to be too basic, too acidic. So if the CO2 levels rise, we become too acidic and our body wants to keep that balance. So it's going to want us to open our mouth and get rid of more CO2 to to get back to that baseline. But if we are mouth-breathing all the time, that kind of tolerance for CO2 goes down. We get used to a lower um, or a higher pH, and basically we, that becomes our new status quo. So as soon as it starts to go above that again, our body feels that trigger in CO2 or that acidity, and we want to mouth-breathe. Um, another way of looking at it is if we think back to the idea that when we hold our breath for a long time, like at the end of the day, our body just wants to keep us alive. So. If we know that CO2 is the trigger to breathe, that's what teaches us, that's what tells us to open our mouth and breathe. Um, Like if that CO2 goes up, our body is just very aware that it's a trigger to breathe and we have to stay alive. So it's gonna be the most kind of stressful thing. In fact, people who aren't scared of anything else, they'll feel fear only, like literally if your amygdala is injured, they'll still feel fear only when CO2 rises. It's the only trigger that can make those people feel fears. CO2 going up because it's such a base input to be scared and breathe.
0: That's interesting. And, and I'm guessing that, you know, the more you nose breathe and the more you kind of, um, force yourself to do it, your body starts to, starts to get used to it and your tolerance level goes up. Um, Mm. the same way that, um, you know, if I'm running and training regularly, I can run for a longer period of time. Is that kind of the, like a a similar analogy? I guess
1: you're just saying like you can train to, uh, to use that higher. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. So, um, so this is something that we all can practice. And, uh, we originally, you know, we were talking this weekend about, you know, sleep apnea and some things that you're doing for it. Let's bring it Mm -hmm. back to sleep apnea. Um, because I know a lot of people can, can relate to this. Um, how are you, how are you helping people through breath work with sleep apnea? Yeah.
1: So since we've been talking about CO2, I'll go back to that again. If we have a low tolerance to CO2, it leads us to mouth breathe. And so if we have a low tolerance to CO2, the same thing is going to happen, especially when we're not conscious of it. It's going to be a lot easier to close our mouths and nasal breathe when we're thinking about it. But when we're asleep, we don't have any control. Right. <clears throat> so if we have that low tolerance to CO2 and we fall asleep, we're very quickly going to start mouth breathing, which can lead us to letting that tongue collapse in the back. Um, Also just mouth breathing throughout the night keeps us in a more stressed out state. So you think about somebody mouth breathing, it's a lot more labored. You're a lot more just spinning energy, more awake alert. So if you're trying to sleep and you're breathing like that versus a slow in and out your nose, you're just not getting as relaxed as you should be when you sleep. I mean, that's really the time we should be the most relaxed, Throughout our days when we're sleeping. So um, that's one thing is just working on their CO2 tolerance. And we do that through all sorts of ways. Really, I kind of use um, a personalized approach to match kind of their day to day things with how they could work on building their CO2 tolerance, whether it's breath holes or maybe it's going on walks and controlling how many steps you have during each breath, or maybe it's specific, almost meditative type breath work, um, kind of whatever fits people's particular lifestyle to build their co2 tolerance. Um, but we, we were talking about this, I don't I can't remember if we were recording yet or not, but we talked about mouth tape also.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And so definitely recommend, uh, mouth tape to people. Um, basically it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be like a small little piece of cloth tape right over the uh, middle of your lips. So you're not duct taping your whole face <laughs> closed. Um, they also make like, I've got some tape, like this is called bio tape. And then they make some, uh, Somnifix is another good brand that, and make it specifically for your mouth so that it's not as uh, overwhelming to take your mouth at night. But that helps you keep your mouth closed. And basically, if you keep your mouth closed, we're talking about your tongue falling back and blocking your airways. Well, that can't happen when you have your mouth closed because your tongue naturally will rest uh, on the roof of your mouth, and like the tip of it will be right behind the front of your teeth. So mm. if you just did this right now, you close your mouth, your tongue kind of naturally goes up and rests on the roof of your mouth, and that keeps it from. Collapsing in your airway while you're sleeping. Is
0: there any? Well, this is a selfish question because uh, I, you know, I mentioned how you know I, I'm working on my CO two tolerance, and mm-hmm. you know what? What do you do with that panicky feeling um, when you know it's it's like you know you know as well as anybody you know trying to get that last rep in at the gym, you yeah. know, and you you're like, can I can I get there? Can I can I get you know, get on the rack. And, um, and I feel that way with, with CO2 tolerance when I'm working on my nose breathing, is there any yeah. sort of thing that like from a meditative standpoint or, you know, just to keep my mouth closed, even though I feel like, <laughs> it, like I just, well, you can gotta... always go, you can always
1: work out less with less intensity. Yeah. Is one thing. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna, that's gonna lower that CO2. Cause when you're exercising, basically, yeah, you're generating a lot more co2 than just sitting still right <clears throat> so that's right. why you feel it even faster when you're exercising and trying to nasal breathe um you're not letting that out like you would if you're mouth breathing but yeah so you could just always lower the intensity if you're trying to like meet that threshold i, I would think about it kind of like threshold training right if you if you ever done like running or bike or anything like that you you want to get right to that limit of your anabolic threshold or vo 2 max and then hang out right there so you're only gradually increasing that tolerance what you don't want to do is go break straight through there and burn out immediately yeah you want to kind of gradually build up to it so like i would just recommend going longer right at that threshold of when you feel like you need to open your mouth versus going super hard and seeing if you can hang on with your mouth closed um two would be like you said a meditative kind of state of mind and I think that definitely, if you're really just trying to like challenge yourself with the CO2 tolerance, that comes in big. Like you've got to be um, almost paying attention to the sensations you have, not trying to just ignore them. I would recommend leaning into it almost yeah, and like uh, paying attention to the sensations that come up when that CO2 rises. Um, but then also you could, you don't always have to just fight against yeah, that CO two. It's okay to work, then also your recovery. So, like you mentioned, a rowing workout earlier. Yeah, totally fine. Some days to try to challenge yourself like that, but other days say see how fast you can recover your breath and go into some mouth breathing, some nose mouth breathing, and then back into nose nose. Um, yeah, I mean, if, you,
0: if you're going, you know, we were talking about Tabata workouts where you're supposed to, you're supposed to go as hard as you can during that 20 seconds mm-hmm. and then rest for 10 you know, theoretically, if you're going as hard as you can, the focus should be on the effort, not necessarily, um, you know, maintaining nose breathing. And so I, I mean, would you agree with that? If, if my, if I'm trying to, to, to do a Tabata workout with nose breathing, you know, I, I guess there's a balance you could, you know, go as hard as you can while nose breathing, yeah, Right. right. <laughs> but uh, it might not be a bad thing if, if you, you know, open your mouth a couple times.
1: Right. And yeah, I mean, what you could do is say, I want to nasal breathe during the 20 second all out sprint and see what I can hang on to. And then during that 10 seconds, go to mouth breathing and see how quickly I can recover. And then to be able to nose breathe the next one. So you see, like you could go all out and see how many times you could hang on to that pace by having great recovery Mm. in between. So it definitely just depends on kind of like the training stimulus you want. What are you looking for that day?
0: Are you, are you trying to do all your workouts nose breathing or uh, are you kind of just being intentional when you do choose to do that? What's your, what's your philosophy with yourself?
1: Um, Well, I am very used to nose breathing now. I honestly, it's to the point now for me where I have to make a conscious decision to open my mouth. Interesting. So there's there's certain days where if I know I want to really push the intensity, then um, I'll I have to make I'll say okay I'm going to mouth breathe during today because I want to see how hard I can do go. You know, um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not. But well, I'd say yeah, ninety nine percent is nose breathing.
0: But one thing that's interesting that I've also heard is that your stamina is actually longer when you learn to nose breathe because because mm-hmm. you're more efficient. So there is that's the great. argument that you can actually go harder nose breathing than you could mouth breathing. Is that, is that in your experience, is that accurate?
1: I would say for like longer style things, that's absolutely accurate. And even if you're trying to pace something, so if you're thinking about like a metabolic conditioning session, like a CrossFit workout or something, and it's longer, 20 minutes, I would definitely recommend people start off, nasal so breathing at least, and then when they want to kick it up or whatever. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, we should be in that range where we can nasal breathe most of the time but there are times where we want to practice max out intensity and at that point that's when we want to breathe through our mouse that's like it's a great ability some animals cannot breathe through their mouths, and so we have a great ability to open up and pump extra co2 out to go at a higher intensities
0: that's interesting uh i i want to tie this back to uh sleep apnea again and uh, and long COVID, which is kind of a a, a buzzword yeah. uh, these days, uh, I think it means a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, and the way we've defined long COVID at Performance Medicine is, and I think most people would define it this way as well, is if you're still experiencing yeah. symptoms um, of of COVID after one one month after testing negative. And, uh, and, and we've talked a lot about how long COVID can, uh, can precipitate, uh, sleep apnea. What, what have you Mm -hmm. been seeing, uh, with, with your clients, uh, with people, you know, in your practice, uh, what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I say the biggest people that come to me with that are people who just don't feel like they can catch their breath. Okay. It's been a while since they had COVID and then, uh, they just feel like, man, I know they used to be in their shape. And for some reason, like I'll be sitting around, I'll just go pick someone up and I still can't catch my breath. What's going on. Um, and obviously like, I don't pretend to know what's going on, you know, like with their lungs or anything like that. Like that's uh, kind of out of my realm. But what I can do is help them with their overall breathing. And that tends to help them with the symptoms they have. So if we go back to just learning how to breathe um, in a more relaxed way, so a lot of times we'll, do everything we've already talked about, like building CO2 tolerance from that end of things, but also just working the ability to breathe into your belly to do diaphragmatic breathing, which is more relaxed versus breathing with your shoulders, trying to breathe in your belly. So really just kind of working, honestly, like going back to the basics of breathing, working on nasal breathing, working on breathing with your diaphragm, building CO2 tolerance, helping people sleep better, you know, doing these things, exercising while breathing through your nose and kind of lowering the intensity. Cause so many of us are used to just going all out every workout, like kind of teaching, pull it back a little bit. You're not going to the Olympics (laughs) right now, like pull it back, go at a lower intensity and just kind of, you know, get your body breathing better again, um, has tended to help a lot of those side effects.
0: I wonder, you know, cause you know, shortness of breath is, is a huge, uh, it's a, one of the major symptoms of of COVID as well as long COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I wonder, you know, what that is, because a lot of um, what we talk about with nose breathing is, you know, the need for less air and, you know, Mm -hmm. the shortness of breath feeling is that feeling um, where you feel like you're just out of shape. You know, like you you right. it's it's that feeling you get when you've you know after you've been sick for a while and haven't been able to work out. Uh you know you just it's not fun. It's, it's not fun and and you know yeah. we've all we've all been there. Um that's interesting what you said how you can intentionally work on the breathing uh even if you're not working out because I think my natural would be to mm-hmm. okay let's let's work our way up you know today I walk you know a hundred yards tomorrow I walk 200 yards up to a mile. Okay. Then I start a jog. What's kind of, is that the way you look at Mm -hmm. it as well? Or or are you saying that, you know, we can actually work on our breathing without, you know, taking the steps necessarily and, and, you know, work on nose breathing, work on CO2 tolerance, work on diaphragm breathing. Uh, what's Mm -hmm. your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can begin by laying on the ground and, you know, like just one of the simplest ones is to make your exhale twice as long as your inhale and just find like a a cadence that's slightly challenging for you and do that for five to 10 minutes. Mm. So say you breathe in for four seconds and out for eight seconds and you just do that over and over again, and you're going to get really relaxed. But if you make it slightly challenging, you can also definitely lengthen your CO2 tolerance or make it greater. Um, The other thing, you know, to tie this all the way back, tie this training aspect back to uh, sleep apnea as well is um, we also want to work on being able to – Essentially have like less pressure when you breathe. So instead of it being like a forceful inhale and exhale it's for it to be subtle in and out. And a lot of that comes with like respiratory muscular training, so diaphragm training, kind of other muscles that go you know, uh, public floor training, other things that go in with breathing. So you can definitely practice that by breathing. You know, with your back on the ground and trying to expand your stomach with every inhale. And there's devices, um, like one that I use called an AeroFit, where you can train by making the inhale and exhale harder, you can train to strengthen your breathing. And that goes back to sleep apnea because if you're breathing hard when you're sleeping, that also will cause you to like if you think about if you had a like a paper straw and you breathe in and out of it super easy, it'd just flow naturally. Yeah. But if you sucked really hard, it would collapse. Um, oh,
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so that's the same
1: thing when we're when we're breathing out So it's not just like how much space we have to breathe, it's how hard and fast we're breathing. So if we can kind of learn to have stronger respiratory muscles to actually be able to breathe slower and gentler, that'll help all breathing in general.
0: That's. It and i'm assuming the way you're looking at it is if we train these things while we're conscious and you know awake yeah. that that's going to translate over to when you know we're you know not focused on our breathing of course when we're sleeping is that kind of yeah. how it works yeah. if, absolutely if, yeah. okay 100%. That's super fascinating to me. uh, Well, I was just going to say, yeah,
1: that's right. I mean, if you're, especially if you're like, actually, if you're up to the point where you can exercise nasal breathing only when you're sleeping, it's going to be much, much easier to keep your mouth
0: closed. And of course, if you use the the tape that you mentioned, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, I mean, that's kind of one way of forcing yourself to. to (laughs) And the goal is to
1: graduate out of that, like what you're talking about. Like you start with that as a good reminder and to make it happen while you're sleeping, but the goal isn't to just tape your mouth the rest of your life. The goal is to graduate out of that.
0: This might be a, a stupid question, but can you have sleep apnea if you don't open your mouth while you're sleeping?
1: Uh, I think there are there are structural ways that could happen, especially maybe if you have a, a large soft palate that falls back. Um, and people can snore in and out their nose, but a lot of the times you snore with your mouth closed. Uh, that's because of that pressure I was just describing
0: yeah. So, okay. So, for most people, you know, if you for can most people, yeah. If you can learn to nose breathe, it could solve you know sleep apnea
1: for you. Yeah, especially if it's a milder like. Right. I want to just to say like there are there are like people who have serious obstructive sleep apnea and things that are going on that have to be fixed. Yeah.
0: Right. That's super. It's super fascinating, and I, you know, I, I've even heard people talk about how, you know, I don't think breathing through your nose have has like cured a deviated septum but it's definitely it'll open, it'll, open it up. it'll open it up a little bit just just the practice of it you know and again you know we're we're speaking in general terms here and mm. and uh you know there's a there's of course always you know uh, cases where that are a little more extreme that might mm. uh need other things uh but real quick, I, I i want to be you know respectful of your time is there any parting advice you have for the people uh listening uh to this episode with you just in terms of like you know if if they think they might have sleep apnea and don't know or even if they do have sleep apnea and you know things that they can kind of you know start doing right now
1: yeah i mean uh i'd say if you're not sure if you have a spouse or somebody you could just ask if you snore or not i mean i think if you snore that's enough to start working on something okay um and yeah the easiest places to start are just being conscious of how you breathe throughout the day, catching yourself if you're breathing in and out your mouth. Um, even just doing like once a day, even if you don't follow a specific protocol, but just sitting for three to five minutes and doing slow, just slowing your breathing down is gonna help. It's gonna help you sleep better. Uh, and then, the, yeah, probably next last step would just be taping your mouth at night. And again, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Uh, you can just take a small piece of cloth tape over, kind of just blowing your nose and down. Um those are three easy easy steps and then obviously just adding an exercise for not exercising, just getting some movement in each day
0: and one thing we'll we'll do guys is uh maybe even in the in the editing room we'll get uh Zach or Jenny to to put up a, a pdf that uh that this zach Zach our our video editor uh it will will go back in here and and put up the pdf that that you sent me uh the other week yeah, yeah. And, and, which is super informative. it kind of explains a lot of what we've talked about today. Um, real quick, Zach, like how can people reach you if they, if they want to actually, you know, go the next level and, and, and Mm -hmm. really train with you. And and you mentioned personalization of it, you know, how can they get a hold of you? Where do we find you?
1: Yeah. Uh, the easiest place is trinitystrength.org. Uh, that's my website. There's a place in the corner that just says like book an intro. You're more than welcome just to click on there and we can hop on the, hop on a call and talk through what you're going through. Um, and then, yeah, maybe in the show notes also, I've got a, kind of like a uh, unlisted website with a bunch of resources for sleep apnea where you oh, can nice. contact me as well. So maybe we'll put that in the show notes.
0: We'll definitely do that. We'll put that in the show notes, guys. Uh, Zach Kramer, it's been a pleasure, man. Hey, I, I'm so happy that you you hopped on. Thank you for for doing this with thanks. us.
1: Thanks. Absolutely.
0: All right, guys. This has been Outside the Box. As always, we will see you guys next time. Zach, I'll see you later, brother. Right, see you. Don't go away.